Hello, and welcome to December. I love the end of the year. I love looking forward to the next year. And as I was thinking about this month and what I wanted to offer you guys on the podcast, I thought it could be fun and helpful to bring back some of my best episodes of 2023 and replay them for you. The reason I've decided to do this is because I just wanted to highlight some of the best ideas that I've come up with for this podcast, as well as some of the most helpful things for you all. Some of these concepts have been really revolutionary in the lives of my clients. In fact, I've seen a lot of light bulb moments go off, and some of my clients even repeat these, and they tell me that they've told other people about some of the concepts that are going to be as a, a part of this Best of 2023 series. So to kick us off in this series, I decided to post or repost one of my most popular episodes of the year. It's called How to Be an Excellent Assistant. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Whole Assistant Podcast. I'm your host, Annie Croner. I'm a former assistant who's passionate about our profession, and I'm also a certified coach who's invested in your success. You've come to the right place if you want to know what it looks like to stand in your power and achieve success as an assistant free from overwhelm and burnout. Now, on to today's episode. Hello! So I'm sitting here at my desk. It has snowed outside. It snowed yesterday. And I was looking at the weather forecast for this upcoming week and a week from the date that it snowed is supposed to be 80 degrees. Colorado weatherman, it's crazy. I'm super excited for the warm weather. I also do not mind a spring snow because it's generally short-lived. It's generally there for like a second and then it melts. I'm really just excited for the warm weather. I'm sitting here currently with my tea and I'm kind of looking forward to next week because next week I won't have tea because I won't need to warm myself up or feel cozy because there will be no snow on the ground. It's going to be 80 degrees. I'm hopeful I'll be able to wear a sundress. So yeah, stay tuned for that. Okay, today we are talking about excellence and what it looks like to be an excellent assistant. Now, Excellence looks different for everyone. You get to decide what excellence means to you. And you always have the ability to question your current narrative. So if excellence to you currently looks like perfectionism, there's maybe some fear involved with the excellence, you get to decide whether or not you keep that or let that go and adopt a new way of thinking excellently or a new way of thinking about excellence as an assistant. You always have the option of adopting a new narrative or integrating new ways of thinking into your current narrative to really help bolster what excellence looks like for you. So I just want to say that first and foremost. I think a lot of us have this idea that in order to be excellent or even exceptional, that we have to fit into a certain mold, that we have to fit into our certain way of being, and that our career has to look like something outside of ourselves, like something like it looks for somebody else, right? So I just want to point that out. But you get to decide what being an excellent assistant looks like for you. And the concepts I'm going to share today, you can adopt them if you'd like. These are just what I've noticed for myself that excellence looks like for me and also for my clients as well, right? And so I just want to say that your career can take any trajectory you like. So I, I just want I just want to point that out. You don't have to fit into a certain mold. 
excellence can look different for you than it does for me. It should look different for you than it does for me because excellence should be based on values, our personal values as humans. Therefore, what excellence means to you will look different, all right? And um, I'm actually, this is really top of mind for me because I just got done with a couples retreat as a part of a couples coaching program my husband and I are participating in. In, uh, in New Jersey. And we were right on the water, right? We could see the New York City skyline from our hotel. It was just such a beautiful time together. And I was reflecting on this, like how, how much time do we actually spend intentionally thinking about and working on our relationships? And I am just so in awe of the time we spent together this last weekend, as well as our instructor. So you guys, if you're curious about Couples coaching, which I love. Um, we we are currently coaching with Dr. Siobhan, and she you can check out her website at drshavon.com. And her name is spelled uh, the website is drchavonne.com. And one of the concepts that Siobhan talked about this last weekend was the level 10 self. What does you, what would it look like for you to show up as your level 10 self in your relationship? when you're in the middle of conflict, when there is a disagreement or you're disconnected from your partner, what would it look like to show up as your level 10 self? So we were able to intentionally decide in advance how we wanted to show up for our relationship and for life from this higher level person, right? Like not the person we are right now, not the person who's reactionary and defensive, but the person that we want to be in those moments. And this really got me thinking about excellence as an assistant as well, right? So excellence is defined as being very good of its kind, eminently good. Now, I just want to point out that being very good of its kind does not mean being perfect all the time, does not mean not making any mistakes, being very good of its kind. That's the definition of excellence. Being very good doesn't mean perfect. And here's the deal, guys. Perfect is a moving target anyway, right? So even with that, we get to decide how we show up. And we get to decide even what perfect looks like for us. And then how do we want to adopt that idea of perfection or would we rather go with excellence? Would we rather strive for excellence than perfection? For me, it just feels so much better. I don't need to be perfect in order to be effective. I don't need to be perfect in order to get my clients results. I don't need to be perfect in order to show up at the highest level as an assistant, right? I can strive for excellence. I can strive to be very good of its kind and good of its kind as it relates to my personal um, values and definition, right? So I'm just going to share what excellence looks like for me. And uh, I just want you to consider maybe adopting some of these because I've just found that these particular concepts when it comes to excellence have helped my clients as well. So the first thing that I would say that being an excellent assistant looks like is it looks like working free from fear. Working free from fear. Here's why this is this is important. If we are operating from a place of fear, we're going to be focused on the negative. We're going to be focused on not making that mistake or not pissing off our executive or not upsetting the apple cart, right? 
And it's just like this fear-driven thing. And when we're focused on the negative, our brains won't be free to think outside the box. Our brains are going to be consumed with avoiding the negative instead of moving towards the positive. It's a subtle mindset shift, but it's a really powerful one. Very powerful. And so when our brains aren't free to think outside the box, we aren't able to access the full capacity of our brain's creativity and problem-solving skills. Instead of us going, oh, okay, so a mistake was made, how can I creatively problem-solve this? What we tend to do when we are driven by fear is we tend to spin out on all the ways that that we went wrong, on how we're going to get fired, on how our executive yelled at us or whatever, instead of accessing the full capacity of our brain and and its problem-solving capabilities and being like, okay, yes, a mistake was made for sure, but I am going to focus on a solution and not focus on this fear that I have around the problem that was created. So fear can also present itself in a lot of interesting ways. And so I just want to point out a few because oftentimes we think that we are free from fear when in reality, maybe not so much. So fear can present itself as a lack of boundaries so or people-pleasing. So anytime anybody comes to our desk, even if they're asking us to do this low-level task and we've got higher priorities for our executive, if we take time out of our day to do those lower-level tasks, then that may be driven by fear, right? That may be driven by fear of saying no, by fear of what that person will think of us, that sort of thing. So lack of boundaries and people-pleasing. And people-pleasing, I did an episode on this, I think it was last week, episode 46. So please check that out. And people-pleasing is basically making others happy to or owe detriment or demise. And you'll know you're people-pleasing if you feel resentful, right? So that's one way that fear can present itself. Another way that fear can present itself is not staying in your own lane. And what do I mean by this? I mean, not looking at things from your executive's perspective and putting yourselves in his shoes, but obsessing over what your executive thinks about you because we're so fearful that he may think or she may think that we aren't doing our job or, you know, they, that they may have some misgivings about us or whatever. So that over-obsession with what somebody else is thinking about you is driven by fear. Another way that fear can present itself is by perfectionism. We don't want to misstep, so we are super, super careful to be perfect in everything. And you'll know you're doing this if you're spending 20 minutes wordsmithing an email that should have only taken you two minutes to write, right? That sort of thing. I'm going to go into perfectionism in, in more detail in a minute here, but that's another way that fear can present itself. And, an, and the fourth way that fear can present itself is kind of an obsession over best practices. So your brain is always looking for the best way to do things. Like it's looking for the one best way to do things because it believes that there is only one best way to do things when in reality, you could probably go down multiple paths and get to the same end result, right? So it's this obsession over doing things right the first time. It's this obsession over best practices and, you know, wanting to know the best way to do things, even though there may not be one best way to do things, right? Okay, so... That's what being an excellent assistant looks like for me. First of all, it's working free from fear. Second of all, it's living into your values. Living into your values. It's 
always a good idea to get clear on what your values are so that you can live into them a bit more. And here's the deal, values shift as we go through life. I was once footloose and fancy free and single without kids, and I didn't mind working late. I didn't mind, you know, staying at the office late, working late, that sort of thing didn't bother me. Now my values have shifted because I've got two littles and a husband and, and a stepson that I love, like a family life that I truly love and I truly enjoy. So I'm not valuing the work piece as much. I still love to work. I still feel like it's a huge part of my identity. In fact, I have to watch that, that part of myself because I love to work so much that it can draw time away from my family even now. But it's not my, I'm making the intentional choice to value that family time in the evenings. So turning off at 5 p.m. or 5.30 p.m. and being done for the day. So if you're always compromising in a way that feels gross to you, it's likely that you're, you're working in a role that's kind of, that's misaligned with your values, or you haven't set up the boundary for yourself in order to determine whether or not this role is misaligned for you. And it's also likely that your ability to be an excellent assistant is likely compromised. Like if you always feel like you're compromising in a way that feels gross, it's going to be hard to add value at the highest level. So this, this goes back to recognizing when your role isn't a want match. And so I talk about want matches in episode 43. So please be sure to check that out. That's episode 43. It's a really great way want matches are in detaching your self-worth from your role because if if we can just see that the math doesn't add up then we can assess what the next step is to take right so if you can find a role that is a want match and it closely aligns with your values it will be a lot easier to add value at the highest level this is because it'll make the thoughts you need to think in order to add value at the highest level a lot easier to access really. That's what it comes down to. It's like we aren't always having to manage our brain in order to add, in order to add value at the highest level or in order to more align with our executive or role. It just is so much easier to think those thoughts that, that you'll be able to add value at such a higher level. It's kind of funny because I think about this in terms of relationships too. When my husband and I went through what we went through last year, we were kind of misaligned on some things and I was spending a lot of my time managing my mind and my brain uh, around things that he had done or said, circumstances that were created for me. And I was totally happy to do that. But at a certain point, I'm like, okay, so is this something I want to continue doing or not, right? And you have the option to do this with your role as well. So if you're constantly trying to manage your mind around what your executive thinks about you, all of those sort of things, if you're constantly obsessed with what your executive thinks about you, if you're constantly being yelled at and belittled and berated, is that a role you really want to stay in? You could totally stay if you want to. And if you if there's a reason that you like to stay, stay by all means. But if if you feel like you could add value at such a higher level without having to manage your mind in that way, just something you may want to consider. Living into your values is a great way to show up in a more excellent way. Because if your role is aligned with your values and the role is a good cultural match and the values are aligned there, you align fairly well with the company values. Now, I will say that if you're a person who hops from job to job to job to job because there's a misalignment, 
that is something else entirely. I'm not talking about that here. I'm talking about someone who has been in their role for quite a while. They're just noticing some misalignment and they feel like if they were to move on from that role, that they could they could add value at such a higher level somewhere else. That's what I'm talking about here. The third kind of way or thing that I've noticed among excellent assistants is that most excellent assistants tend to have a growth mindset, meaning that they are curious about their work from an abundant place. They're curious if there's something out there that will be able to help them, that will be able to help elevate their role, elevate their work, elevate their mindsets, that will bring them to the next level in their career. They are generally very curious people, but that curiosity is coming from a place of abundance, not from a place of fear yet again. Like if you're constantly worrying about what you're missing and that sort of thing, that's not what I'm talking about here. You're curious from an abundant place. You want to take your career to the next level from a place of abundance, and you're curious what that can look like for you. And growth mindset looks like always looking for new and creative ways to optimize. Now, this doesn't always mean that you're switching tools or whatnot. Like I'm a big fan of Trello. I'm also a big fan of Office Otter. As a task tracking system, I'm always telling my people to please choose a digital centralized task tracking tracking system. But here's the deal, guys. There is no such thing as a perfect task tracking system. There's only the thing that works for you. So if you're using a task tracking system that's working for you currently, doesn't always look like switching tools. Like you're always looking for new and creative ways to optimize. Maybe there's a new way you can use a tool you're using. Um, I talk about, you know, emailing your tasks to your Trello board. I talk about that sort of thing. There's just always new and creative ways to optimize. I think about chat GPT. Um, I love ChatGPT and I just discovered it. It's just taking so much time off of copywriting and that sort of thing for me. Now, I spend a lot of time editing. I want to make sure it sounds like it's coming from my voice, but there are always tools out there to help you optimize. But when I look at a new tool, I'm looking at it from a place of curiosity and from a growth mindset and from like, uh, how can I utilize this? And is this something that will act, can actually serve me and help move me forward, right? Now, what this does mean is that you're humble enough to consider new possibilities. So I think a lot of us, especially those of us who have been in this role for a long time, we can get stuck in our ways. And that humility piece will stunt us. It's so funny. I, I email people all the time. I message them on LinkedIn a lot. And I often will include the link to my podcast. And this one time I included the link to my podcast. And this one was like, yeah, I've been in EA for over 40 years. So no, thank you. And I'm like, okay, no problem. But I had to chuckle. Because yeah, I may not, I may not be for her. I'm not for everyone for sure. But I found it kind of humorous because you know, how do you know if I can help you if you're not even willing to listen to my free stuff, if you're not even willing to engage with my content, if you're not even willing to listen to the podcast, right? Like growth mindset requires an amount of humility to be able to consider new possibilities. Now, I will say that I don't have all the answers. Not at all. This woman has a wealth of information that I don't have, I'm sure, as we all do. We all have different life experiences. We all have different experiences in the role of executive assistant. I am not all saying at all saying that there is not somebody out there better suited for her with more experience, perhaps. Absolutely. But I just had to chuckle with that interaction, right? So, uh, so that is another way to be an excellent assistant is to adopt a growth mindset. 
allow yourself to be humble enough to consider new possibilities, new ways of being. I'm learning constantly, constantly from people in our industry. Um, I love it so much. It's, it's one of the reasons I love doing what I do is because assistants love to share information. We love to be a resource for somebody and we love to solve problems, even if it's not for anybody in our company or our, our general sphere of influence. That's why I love to host networking events just to get in the same room as somebody else who understands what it is to be an assistant, who has this life experience that's similar to yours, and who may be able to provide you with a new way of thinking about a problem or a new solution. It's just so much fun, so much fun. And I do the same thing like as a business owner. Now I'm kind of shifting into like this role of like yay advocate and and business owner and coach. I recently quit my job as a full-time executive assistant because I felt like being an EA was my total zone of excellence, but being a coach can be my zone of genius. Now, I am humble enough to say that I am not the bee's knees when it comes to coaches yet, coaching yet, but I am thirsty and excited to learn and uh, I, I have created results for my clients and that brings me so much joy, right? So that humility piece is big when, when it comes to growth mindset, like as, as opposed to a fixed mindset where you know all the answers, you've got your ways of doing things and you are not open to anybody like coming in and helping you optimize anything. We aren't curious about anything. We are just set in our ways. Now, I'm not going to say that that's necessarily bad. There have been seasons of my life where I just, I kind of got burnt out on growth and I'm just like, okay, I just need to take a minute, take a beat and rest in my knowledge and know that I'm enough in this moment. That is also growth, my friends. It is. Okay, so I'm just going to review real quick here. Uh, To be an excellent assistant, we have to work free from fear, living into your values or live into your values, adopt a growth mindset and have the ability to give a strategic no. Hear me when I say this. In order to be an excellent assistant, I truly believe in this one. Most of us have to have the ability to give a strategic no. I'm not even going to say most of us. I'm going to say all of us. Here's the deal. With every yes we give, we are saying no to something else. Every time we say yes to something, we are saying no to something else. That is because there is only 24 hours in the day. So if you think that you can say yes to everybody is everything, you are kidding yourself. That's true in life. That's true in work. That's true in every aspect of everything. (laughs) It's going to be impossible to be very good of your kind if you say yes to everybody and everything all of the time. Now, I think a lot of us think that it's literally our job to be everybody's yes person. And this is what I want to question here. Is it actually your job to be everybody's yes person? Especially if you're an executive assistant, right? Like if you're if you're an executive assistant to one or two or three executives and somebody who is not your executive asks you to take on a task that you don't have the bandwidth for and you say yes to that, what are you saying no to in return? Is it thinking strategically on behalf of your executive? Is it scheduling that high level um, that high level appointment or meeting? What is it you're saying no to? And here's the deal. I'm a firm believer in being solutions oriented for everyone all of the time. 
I love being solutions oriented for everyone. I do. But you don't have to be the one providing all the solutions all the time. So helping coworkers with tasks outside of your normal scope of work, I just want, I want a question. Is that part of your role? Or would your time be better spent showing up strategically for your executive? Thinking outside the box with regards to his calendar and how you can manage his time effectively. Thinking outside the box with regards to what he's saying yes to. Thinking outside the box with regards to how you're going to show up for your executive when it comes to managing all the things. Uh, I like to encourage my, my people that I coach to get really clear on what their executive's priorities are. And sometimes your executive doesn't even know what his priorities are or her priorities are, right? And that can be a challenge. So I encourage all my clients to like sit down with their executive, have a heart to heart, get clear on what the priorities are. That way you can hold their hold their feet to the fire whenever they get distracted by all the glitter that our executives tend to get distracted by, right? So that's what I mean by showing up strategically. You're going to have to say no in order to make room for yes for showing up more strategically for our executive and organization. And when you create... And when you do this, you'll create the ability for yourself to focus, right? So when we say no, and we're focused on what we're actually focused on, we're focused on those high level tasks, the strategy of of showing up daily for our executives. When you create the ability for yourself to focus, you'll be surprised by the high levels of value you'll be able to bring to the table. Instead of this whack-a-mole, everything holds the same weight, everything is on the same plane thing what we tend to do, the game of whack-a-mole. I'm sure we have all been there. It's really easy to fall into, especially if you're a helpful person who wants to like be solutions oriented and feels this desire to help everybody. Right. And I'm also not saying that if, if there isn't, if there is something outside of the scope of your normal work that is excites you and you may want to steer your career in that direction, I'm not saying don't take that. Definitely take that. What I'm talking about are those low-level tasks that people tend to pile on you because crap tends to roll downhill and you are very capable and people know that and so they come to you and they bring you their problems when they should be figuring out a solution on their own for those problems, right? And I get it. It can be really flattering. We We can feel like, oh, like they trust me to do this. They want me to handle this. Yes. And... Do you need to give a strategic no in that in that circumstance? I really want you to consider the strategic no as an amazing tool to level up your skill as an assistant and become an excellent assistant. Okay, so we have covered so far working free from fear, living into your values, developing a growth mindset, having the ability to give a strategic no, And last, but certainly not least, we need to release perfectionism. I know a lot of us, myself included, have bragged about perfectionism for for our careers. It was the one thing that I said was a weakness in interviews that I truly believed was a strength back in the day. I have since come to realize that perfectionism is 100% a weakness. And here is why perfectionism will keep you stuck. It keeps you stuck in all the options. It keeps you stuck from making a decision. It keeps you stuck in not managing your time effectively or efficiently. Like I mentioned just a few minutes ago, 
We spin out on the all the options. We spend 20 minutes wordsmithing an email that should have taken us two minutes to write. It creates in us the inability to create goals because we are so afraid of not actually achieving those goals that we don't want to set the goal to begin with. All of those things are the antithesis of excellence. The antithesis of excellence. Perfectionism is the killer of excellence. I just want you to sit with that for a minute. In order to show up with excellence, we have to release imperfectionism. Because it, it's zapping your time management. It's not good for time management. It's not good when we make a mistake because we beat ourselves up and we don't move on in a timely fashion. It's not good for, uh, for all of that, right? It's the antithesis of excellence. And it will rob you of your joy. And it will create more stress for you. And it will create burnout for you if everything has to be perfect all the time. Here's the deal, guys. There is no such thing as perfect anyway. What is perfect to you may not be perfect to your executive, may not be perfect to the board, may not be perfect to your executive leadership team, whatever the case may be. Like, what is perfect for you will not be perfect for everyone. So even if you hit that perfect mark, there's a good chance you're going to disappoint someone. Oof, right? Yeah, heavy, I know. We have to release perfectionism in order to embrace excellence. So that is what I have for you guys today. I hope you found it helpful. Be intentional. Be whole. That is all for now. I help assistants apply the concepts I share on this podcast. If you're ready to take your growth deeper and you're curious whether working with me in a coaching capacity is right for you, please email me at annie at wholeassistant.com to schedule your complimentary discovery call.